I'm going to take their lead and say, hello, I'm John, but I'm not a pastor here. So uh, the, he get, um, following on, on what Tim was, had been talking about over the last few, few weeks, uh, which was on, on the subject of repentance, I thought to myself, well, maybe there's a good way of, of, of going, going on with that. And, and so what does it all mean and, and what's the next step? So I've called tonight, today's um, little talk. So let's talk about salvation because we've talked about repentance for the last few weeks. And so why not? talk about salvation. So to start, I thought I'd tell you a little bit of a story. And it's a story about my wife, so here we go. <laughs> Robin has a Fitbit somewhere. Jill, please. There it is. She has a Fitbit and she uses it to calculate how much, how much walking she does during a day. Now, a while ago, the battery went completely flat. We've all seen that, but that was okay because I, I worked out how we recharge it. But once we recharged it, we noticed that it, the Fitbit had lost its date and it had actually lost all the settings that we'd programmed into it. In other words, it completely reset itself. Now, because of that, it wasn't much use because all the daily steps that she was totalising reset at 5pm every day because that's how much the time was out. Now, the only way to reset the Fitbit was to synchronise it with our computer and then transfer all the data back. But there was only one problem with that. The computer needed a little dongle so we could do the old Wi-Fi Bluetoothy thing to, to get it... Um, to get it all working again. But I turned the house upside down because I could not find the dongle. Didn't matter what I did, I couldn't find it. But it was interesting to note that in my search, what I did find, there was stuff there that I hadn't seen for ages. <laughs> there were computer cables for PCs long dead. There were phone chargers for phones that had long been replaced. There were even batteries for our front doorbell and I didn't even know we had them and I'd just gone out and bought some recently. Why did I tell you that story? Because I think here, the passage that we're studying or the passage that Anne wrote, read to us today is one of those great passages of the Bible which implore us to do missionary work. You know, God is often found by those people farthest from him. We can learn here that people will find what they're not necessarily searching for. That is, people quite often aren't asking for him. People, as sinners, sinful people, we don't desire God. Unbelievers desire what they want is they want the blessing without acknowledging the person who blesses. But God in his mercy and grace comes to people who have no interest in him. No one can come to God unless they first are drawn to him. Faith follows hearing. 
Romans, 2, Romans 3, 10 and 11 says this. He says, there is no unrighteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. You know, we're drawn to God by the revelation to us of the beauty of God in Jesus. We never think, or we should never think, that we're the ones who know, who will or will not come to Jesus because the issue is not with us. The issue is with God. I think this, this particular passage has, has special significance for me. And it, would be, and it was this. Because as I was studying this last year, I received an email from Tim, bless his heart, asking whether I might be available to help out another church to do some preaching. And how could I refuse when I read verses like verse 14 that we read today? How can they hear without someone preaching? So today I thought we'd look at, we're going to break the, break the passage into two and we'll have a look at them. So the two, the two steps that we're going to do are these. The first one in, the, in that f- first couple of verses is what I've called, what are the steps for salvation? And then 16 through 21, what actually happened? How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? Interesting to ponder, isn't it? You know, verses, these verse, first couple of verses, 14 and 15, follow on from 12 and 13, which I didn't ask Anne to read. But in 12 and 13, that actually describes what salvation really is. I'll, and I'm actually going to take some poetic license here because I'm going, to let you, I'm going to read them to you. 12 and 13 say this. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and bl- richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So now we see a process of salvation. But I love the way Paul writes this. He starts at the end of the process and works his way forward. We see the process looking like this. It begins with God sending and then ends with man calling on God to come. It begins with a divine initiative and ends with the divine saving of man. Now remember... Paul's ultimate aim for his people is to hear the gospel and to respond to it by declaring their faith in Jesus and through repentance. Then his first question is a logical one then, isn't it? How can they call on God if they haven't believed in him? Why would you turn on a light switch if you didn't believe the light was going to come on? It's the same logic, isn't it? Also, There is much more to it than just calling on Jesus' name when you're in trouble. If you don't believe, why would you use the name of Jesus at all? You know, too often in society today, we hear Jesus' name being used in all sorts of degrading ways. How often have you heard someone say, God help me, when there's no sign of belief in Jesus from from that person actually making that statement? How can they call on the one they not believed? It doesn't sound very logical, does it? We must believe in the Lord if we are to call on him. And belief means knowing the facts. 
And then what are these facts? Let me give you a few. The first thing is we have to know that Jesus is God. We have to know that he came to earth to save sinners. We have to know that he, has, he lived a perfect life. We have to know that life on a cross he gave to atone for our sin. We have to know that God loves us. What else? He wants you, not just the world to be saved. He wants you. Al talked about knowing us by name. He loves, his love reaches out for us and draws us into his family. It means knowing that Jesus has put his own life into you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the best thing of all, he will, he will live, we will live with him for eternity. When you believe those facts, you will want to call on the name of Jesus to save you. How could you believe all these things about Jesus if you've never heard, of him, never heard anyone speak to, him, speak him to you? Paul heard and knew about Jesus. And didn't he sit up and pay attention when Jesus spoke to him on that road to Damascus? Maybe Jesus doesn't speak to us in such an in-your-face way. But he does speak to us. Do you read your Bible? Expecting to hear from God? How often does he put that little verse from his word in front of you when he's calling you? How often does he send a special person to you to be beside you in a special moment? You know, last year I'd been, I'd been praying and asking God about a role that I could have here in our church. There were several areas that I thought I was an expert. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> But anyway, but I wasn't sure. So we'd been on holidays and um, first week back, um, I, we come back to church and, and straight away one of the elders approaches me and says, how about taking up a role on the selection committee for our church for look for a new pastor? Was that God talking to me or what? I think so. No, actually, I don't even think so. I know so. I hadn't seen this elder for a few weeks. I hadn't told him that I was praying about how I could help out. But God knew. God speaks to us when we know him and we're ready to listen to him. Hearing the facts is a step towards believing. But someone has to relay the facts. Now that was Paul's job in the early church. Tell the audience the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, he was given a mixed audience, wasn't he? Jews and Gentiles alike. God gives us the same job today. Now, it mightn't be to, prepare, uh, to um, preach the gospel to thousands of people at some evangelistic crusade, but it may be to talk to your next-door neighbour over the fence when they have a special need. A mate of mine, he lives in a neighbourhood where there is all the houses around him that... Um, our older residents and he often helps out around the house um, he takes that but every time he does when he helps them around the house doing those odd jobs he never takes he always takes the opportunity to talk about Jesus 
You know, that's what Morton Bay Community Matters is here in this church, isn't it? We must be ready at all times to take the opportunity when God presents it to us. We don't know when that will be, but God does. And that's all that counts. We never know when God is sending someone to explain his word. How does a person hear the Lord speaking if there's no preacher? Or there's no Bible teacher? Or there's no Sunday school teacher? Or no chaplain? Or no connect group leader? When you came to church today, did you keep in the back of your mind that God might be preparing for something special for you to do in his kingdom? He teaches us his word so that we'll be able to fulfill a role somewhere that might be lacking at this very instant in time. Could be a Sunday school teacher, home or a connect group leader, teacher at RE, even a Bible teacher. Who knows? Only God knows. But are you receptive to hearing what he has in store for you? Further into that, into that chapter, he talks about how beautiful are the feet for those who bring good news. Now, normally we wouldn't think of feet as the most beautiful part of the body, would we? But think about when we take the word of God to someone who hasn't heard. For me, that's a whole new meaning for that how beautiful are the feet. Those people whose feet are swift to take the gospel to others will be loved and maybe even seen as beautiful, no matter what their physical appearance looks like. Something that we could, we could take out of this. No one is saved apart from hearing the gospel. Basic, but a truth, isn't it? No one is saved apart from hearing the gospel. You know, there's five, five steps in the chain of evangelism that, as Paul describes it. And it looks like, looks like these. There's got to be a messenger. Someone must be sent from God. There's a sent one who must preach or proclaim. That means anyone who knows the Lord must be convicted to proclaim the name of the Lord. There's got to be some hearers. People must hear the gospel. There's got to be a belief on him. And then there's a call on him. You know, I first talked, when we started here, I call that first section, what are the steps of salvation? So what can we see saving faith, faith being comprised of? I think it's these. A message explained, a person to embrace it, a response of heartfelt faith and repentance, a life reflective of gratitude to him. God is saying to those who carry the message that this is the word of God and they're divinely commended and authorized for it. The preaching of the gospel is the great means of salvation and it's God's will that it is proclaimed to all people. There are many ways to have beautiful feet. Sometimes it's by deeds that speak louder than words. But the message must be spoken at some stage. So how are your feet these days? We go on and we talk about the next bit. 
verse 16 starts off but not all the Israelites accepted the good news for Isaiah said Lord who has believed our message you know Israel failed at the fourth step in evangelism that I mentioned believe on him they refused to believe that was what was predicted by the um, by the prophet Isaiah in 50 in chapter 53 of Isaiah verse 1 who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed Isaiah 53 predicts the lament or the confession or the mourning of the nation when they realized at Christ's second advent that they crucified the Messiah John chapter 12 verses 37 and a few more verses we see the application of the passage with Paul actually quoting it he is saying it to indicate that in Jesus day just as it was in Isaiah's day the people refused to believe even though they'd received instruction faith comes from hearing the word people don't come to faith without hearing the gospel it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that people need to hear it is the story of God's love for his people and what Jesus has done for them and where are they going to hear it well it's from his word it's from the Bible isn't it it's not going to be heard on the evening news it's not going to be heard in some psychology book even though many people would try to argue the differently to that the gospel comes when preachers teachers proclaimers teach directly from God's Word when there's a biblical explanation given directly from the word that's when people will hear it and respond to it in faith we should be challenged every time we we um, to test everything that we hear preached from God's Word to make sure it's what God's saying and maybe there's even a little challenge for us here today as we listen to what Paul's saying in this Romans of chapter Romans chapter 10 do you have your Bible beside you following through verse by verse just to make sure that what I'm saying is right because if we do that's when we know exactly what God's saying to us Paul quotes Psalm chapter 19 and verse 4 when, um, when asking where the Jews stood on the matters of hearing the gospel message Paul actually re refers back a little bit to Romans chapter 1 what he'd previously written where he tells us that the Jews had heard the message Paul and the other apostles had already preached Christ at the time that Paul was writing this letter many of the Jews in Jerusalem had witnessed Jesus in the flesh they'd seen his miracles they'd seen his death on the cross the word had gone out you know today people make similar excuses to what the Jews did back then maybe we can hide behind the fact that we've not heard the word being preached in the church where we grew up maybe we were like the Jews were then we may have heard the word but we just didn't listen maybe we said we couldn't understand what was being taught there were too many translations to understand which one do I believe maybe I even say I don't even know which one which translation is correct I think that's a really good excuse for not believing Paul asks 
if the Jews didn't understand. Maybe we say the same thing. Moses had remonstrated with the Jews over their unbelief. Isaiah said the same thing. The Jews knew exactly who Paul was referring to in those Old Testament passages. They knew the Old Testament prophets and they knew what they'd said because Israel rejected God and turned to worthless idols. God would make them jealous by pouring out his grace on the Gentiles. It was in their scripture. And the Jews knew their scripture. They knew what the prophets had said. They just didn't want to understand. It made the Jews angry what Jesus was saying and what Paul was saying because they were repeating what the prophets had already said, that the Gentiles would understand the gospel and would receive salvation by faith. The Jews worked hard, but there was no salvation in that. They couldn't understand why the Gentiles would receive salvation without works. But salvation cannot be earned. It's a free gift from God for those who believe and accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The Jews saw that happening. They could not accept the fact that it was a free gift from God and they were jealous. It's the same for people today. People will not accept a free gift from God. There must be a payment somewhere. What's the catch? You know, it's interesting to compare the attitude of the Jews and the people of today. Then and now, people want to take credit for their own salvation. They wanted some of the glory for taking that step of faith. But there's another thing we need to consider. Then and now, people do not want to hand over their lives to Jesus. They don't want Jesus to rule over them. But it's not only confined to non-believers, that statement. Even as believers, we can be hesitant to completely hand over our lives to Jesus. Do we say, well, Jesus, you can have me all day Sunday. Um, You can have me home home group nights as well, and maybe even youth group nights. But after that, I'm okay, thanks. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants us 24-7. He wants us to live for him. That's what we heard. But is it what we believe? And I think it's a good another talk, uh, take out point here. Hearing the gospel does not guarantee the gospel. Hearing the gospel does not guarantee the gospel. God's word is true because it's God's word. God, by his very nature, is righteousness and truth. Therefore, he can be absolutely trusted. We could not have understood that God had in his mind to create a multi-ethnic community of followers. God has told us through Moses and the prophets, but the Jews of the Jesus day decided that was a foolish notion. They simply didn't read their scripture carefully and we're blinded by national prejudice how can we be blinded by our prejudice at times can we not trust the bible even when we cannot fully understand it and finally in verse 22 paul quotes isaiah 65 verse 2 all day long i've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people the gentiles gratefully received the message of salvation 
Jesus was revealed to them and they believed. Jesus was revealed to the Jews and they didn't believe. God revealed himself to them time and time again over thousands of years and they still didn't believe him. But God says there'll always be a remnant who did believe. As a nation, Israel did not believe. So what were some of the outward signs that God used to warn Israel of the upcoming calamities that would occur if they didn't follow him? Just pick one, Jeremiah 11, 7 says this. From the time I brought your forefathers up from Egypt until today, I warned them again and again, saying, obey me. God stretched out his hands in every possible way to Israel over a very long period of time. But again and again, they were obstinate and disobedient, and it was their own fault. It's the same for us today. People have had every advantage to hear God and believe and are continuing to reject him. People will always reject God unless he does something to change their hearts. We can't do anything about changing the heart of a person. It's only God who can do that. In our sinful selves, we want to live our lives. That's, what we, that's what's called free will. I'm free to do it my way. But when God works in our heart, we will believe because we want to believe. Remember that old song, he's got the whole world in his hands. God is not powerless or impotent when people reject him. If that was the case, then we would have control of the universe, wouldn't we? And that certainly isn't the case. So we could ask ourselves, if God is so powerful, why didn't he just change, all the, change the hearts of the Israelites? Well, I think the short answer to that is, he will. He promised he will, but we're just not quite there yet. I think the bottom line is that God loves us so much and he is holding out his hands to us, calling on us to come. He even holds his hands out to disobedient and obstinate people. And that includes you and me. But he loves us anyway. When we turn from obedience, disobedience to obedience, when we turn from obstinance to submission, there's rejoicing in heaven because it means we've accepted the free gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. Last year, we had an overabundance of oranges on our fruit trees, so we decided to put the oranges out on the front footpath in a bucket with a sign up that said free. The uptake was so slow from people wanting this free gift. People think there's got to be a price for everything. We had people offering to buy the fruit from us. It couldn't possibly be free. I remember one gentleman said, oh, no, I'll, um, can I buy them off you? I said, no, you can't. And he looked at me really strangely. I said, and he said, why? I said, because they're free. You can't buy them. <laughs> and there's something else in this life that's free too, isn't there? God wants you to take his free gift of salvation. And he wants you to take up the gift now. Not next week. Sometime when you might have more time. You know, not even in the next five minutes. Why? 
because we don't know when the offer might expire. God's amazing grace towards us, that he would offer this gift of salvation, that's what it is. So what will you do this week to help someone see the outstretched God, outstretched hands of a loving God while there's still time? What are you going to do about telling someone about Jesus before you come to church next week? Our last little memory point is this. No person wants God as much as God wants that person. Have you thought about it like that? No one wants God as much as God wants that person. The Gentiles found Jesus because they believed. They were farthest from him. They were found while the Jews chose not to be found. We have a wonderful promise which is this. God accomplishes his purposes when his word is proclaimed. God's word will never produce a failed crop. That's a promise of God and the confidence that we have. And although we have little success at times, the movement of God will prosper and triumph. It will be not because we're masters of technique or boldness, but because God uses his word to draw his people to himself. The gospel is called foolish by Paul. Because why? Because it accomplishes the unimaginable. How confident are you in the promises of God? How ready are you to be used for the extension of his kingdom? He's called us to preach the word, to teach the word, to spread the word. How prepared are you in knowing and teaching his word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your word. Lord, there's some very sobering lessons in this, um, in this passage from Romans. The call on your people to teach and preach the word. So Lord, I just pray that you'll empower us. Lord, we do believe. Lord, empower us to give us the confidence to teach the word. So thank you, Lord, and please bless us. And I just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.